This is Scott. This is Rebecca. Welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half. It's kind of like a variety show. That's right. A smile for your ears. So keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and let's see where this roller coaster takes us. Welcome to This Month in History! Do you like my game show voice? Well, since we're doing the Valentine's edition, I would dare say it's so sexy. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you like it. And that's our show for today, folks. How are you doing? Well, our Valentine's edition has gotten off to a roaring start here. Yes, it has. It has. It feels very, very Valentine'sy in here. Does it? Yeah. Oh, well, that's fun. Yeah, with your, I mean, the yeah. way we started, I'm like, hey, yeah, how yeah. you doing? <laughs> it seems like I'm not prepared for Valentine's Day, which I don't really usually prepare a lot for Valentine's Day, yeah. but it's quick. It's here quick to me, like. I, I don't know. It's not like coming. other people were mentioning it this week, and I'm like, it hasn't even crossed my mind. Yeah, we don't and it, do a lot. For well, that. and it's not like we think Valentine's is blah or whatever. Yeah, I feel like this can be a mushy moment. You think Valentine's Day is every day of the well, year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it, I, knew that I feel like be. if I cherish you every day, I don't have to pick a day where I step up my game. Oh. I want my game to be the same every day. And, baby, can I just say, you got game. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm feeling really good about myself right now. <laughs> so I guess that's why it sneaks up on us, because it's not like Because we don't this, do anything for it. Well, yeah, it's not like this, yeah. like... We I don't gotta, even really do cards, right? Remind me, we don't do cards, We used do we? to a little bit, but, but we don't I, now, right? not so okay. much. Good, just making like, sure. we might go out to well, eat or go to Because cards are like movie. $7 now. It's ridiculous. Because you open them up and they have a little song and dance. Basically, and then, yeah. yeah. Like a real person pops out and <laughs> throws confetti at you. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Like the guy from uh, yeah. My Cousin Vinny comes out. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. Joe Pesci watching. comes out and oh. wishes you a mm -hmm. Valentine's greeting, something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. For our Valentine's edition. All right. We have assembled 14 Valentine's Day facts mm -hmm. that we, we are going to share with you so you know more about Valentine's Day. When and you like say the history we, you mean it. you. Yes. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to, we're going to transition into rom-com trivia. All right. Sounds like we got a lot to do. Where I'm going to ask you 10 questions from romantic comedy films that you're going to try to answer. Three of which he's assured me I have not seen. I think so. I think there's three you probably haven't seen. Mm. You try, you're try, you've you set me up for failure. <laughs> you think this every time we do this. <laughs> but I'm doing my best to give you every advantage. Or not every advantage, but every opportunity mm -hmm. to get the right question. Okay. Okay. So let's start with our 14 facts. 14 facts. Here we go. About Valentine's Day. You're going first? I'll go first. All I right. have number one. You've got... Oh, yes. I have number two. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So, the first fact is, St. Valentine wasn't just one person. Um, we always think of it of being St. Valentine, but in the Catholic Church, there are at least three St. Valentines. Really? Yes. Hmm. So, the one that we've kind of gravitated to that everybody knows more of 
is um, St. Valentine, who people feel like inspired the holiday, uh-huh. which in the facts we're going to talk about, it's kind of iffy of where the holiday came from. Um, but he was a priest in third century Rome. And as the story goes, he de- he defied Emperor Claudius by marrying soldiers. Because what? Emperor Claudius had banned soldiers from getting married. Because he thought that distracted the soldiers from doing their job. Huh. So secretly, the St. Valentine would marry the soldiers... To the loves of their life. Yes. Okay. So apparently Claudius got wind of this and had him killed. Oh, that is because, not love. Because Maybe in all these stories, <laughs> no. Well, you defied the king back then, you usually died. No. So things are a little different now. Um, in a good way. I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, so you'll find in each of these stories, we're going to talk about two of them, but in each of the stories, the St. Valentine did get beheaded. So the story ends the same every time. Wow. The other legend we're going to talk about is there was a Valentine that was helping Christians escape from prison, and he would send Valentine messages to the imprisoned people to let them know when he was going to try to get them out. Hmm. And he would sign the letter from your Valentine. And it would be a way of them getting out of prison because during this time, Christians were being persecuted. So they thought that a letter was coming from like someone they loved or they were, it was supposed to appear that way to other people? Yeah, and it was letting them know, okay, here's the plan here's to get you out. Here's the secret message. Yeah. So those are the two main stories that huh. we hear about with St. Valentine. Okay. Okay, that That's was so your first fact. Actually, really sad. Not well, yeah, loving the whole... at all to behead people. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. So really, yeah, the story, the holiday doesn't come from like a very warm, Wishy. fuzzy place. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. This is number two. Valentine's Day has its roots in an agent, an agent, ancient pagan festival. That gets even creepier. <laughs> this is why we don't celebrate this holiday, apparently. Though some historians believe that Valentine's Day commemorates the death of St. Valentine on February 14th, others believe that the holiday actually has its origins in a pagan fertility festival called Lupercalia, mm. which was celebrated on February 15th in ancient Rome, dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, and Roman founders Romulus and Remus. Here's where it gets juicy. The day was celebrated <laughs> by sacrificing animals and smacking women with animal <laughs> hides, a practice that was believed to encourage fertility. So the women were, they liked it when they were slapped with the animal hides. They liked it. Yeah, because they thought then that made them more fertile. So they they were honored to be slapped because that made them more fertile based on the celebration. What about the guys being fertile? You know, sometimes it's the guy's problem. <laughs> well, they didn't, maybe they didn't realize that in ancient times. They need to get slapped too. <laughs> and listen, when back when we were doing all our fertility stuff, if you would slap me with anything, much less an animal hide, no. What if it worked though? I don't think it was, I don't think, honey, we wouldn't have ever believed that this worked. You're not, you're saying this is not scientific. No, and I would have had to slap you with it too. Okay. We have enough information now that I would have been like, no, you get slapped. Because <laughs> it could be you. Could be you. Okay. Wow. Well said. Good point. <laughs> that That's weird. That's so, so they, weird. So the church moved the holiday to that to kind of overtake this pagan celebration, basically. 
crazy. Oh, goodness. Okay. In the 1300s, it officially became a holiday associated with love. Finally. Yeah, we got rid of the <laughs> pagan sacrifice. The Roman Pope in this time declared that the date of February 14th, St. Valentine's Day, would now be celebrated. And it, through the Middle Ages, it became associated with love because we're going to find out that they thought they found out that this is when the birds were mating, so it became a mating season. Um, so in the 1300s, it became an official holiday. An official holiday. Yep. No more animal slapping. <laughs> right. Well, that may have been going on, but it wasn't official. It wasn't official. <laughs> okay. Number four, lovebird mating season. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds mating season, and which added to the idea that that the middle of Valentine's Day should be a day of romance. Mm. The English poet Geoffrey Chaucer, 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 was the first to record St. Valentine's Day as a day of romantic celebration in his 1375. That's a year. What would you say? 1375th? Yeah. 1375 is what I would say. 1375 poem? Yeah. Okay, that just sounds weird. Parliament of Fowls writing, for this was sent on St. Valentine's Day when every fowl cometh there to choose his mate. Oh, swoon. Swoon. Every fowl. Okay. <laughs> so our fifth fact is, the first Valentine was sent in the 15th century. The oldest record of a Valentine being sent was a poem written by a French medieval duke named Charles, and he was sending it to his wife, and this was 1415. Mm-hmm. He wrote the poem to his lover because he was imprisoned in the Tower of London because at the time the English and French were fighting. It was like the Hundred Years' War. There was a lot going on. <laughs> he got captured at one of the battles, and now he's in the Tower of London. Um, one of the lines from his poem, you want to hear it? Yep. And he was just 21 years old, so this is a young dude. Yeah. I just wonder how all these letters got to her. Because he ended up writing, if I remember correctly, he wrote 500 poems while he was in prison. I guess he had time. This was before the other St. Valentine died that was taking things to people in different, different hidden places, like the soldiers and stuff. It's well, after. People, it was after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay. So one of the lines from his poem was, I'm already sick of love, my very gentle Valentine. So sickening. <laughs> <laughs> You've never been one for the machine. No, but you were probably writing me poetry at 21. I was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in prison, though. No, you, were, you weren't in prison. <laughs> yeah, not yet. One of the sweetest things I remember you doing, which was not poetry, was like pretty. By the way, I've never been in prison. No. Okay, go ahead. That was me, not you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were in jail, not prison. Didn't actually, wasn't actually in jail. I got taken back to jail. That's another episode. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> That'll be our true crime episode. I wasn't in cuffs or anything like that. So, um, was when you left a rose on my car. We were dating. Yeah. And you left a rose on my car. You didn't write anything. You have curly hair and you wore glasses at the time more than you do now. I was so hot. And you were. And Not really. You drew, you drew, and you're quite the artist. Everybody should know that you actually can really draw really well. And you sketched yourself on a little piece of square paper and you tied it to the rose and you put it on my car 
So when I came out, there was no like signature. It was actually your picture. Yeah. <laughs> I just always That's pretty well, good stuff. That was good stuff. Yeah. All right, number six. The 1840s brought us the first mass-produced Valentines. People started exchanging cards and handwritten letters to both lovers and friends during the 17th century. But it was in the 1840s that the first Valentine's Day cards were mass-produced in the U.S. sold by Esther A. Howland. I always thought I could make Valentine's cards, or any kind of card, actually. It would be fun to do. Well, and Emily's really good at that, too. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Known as the mother of the American Valentine, Howland is credited with commercializing Valentine's Day cards in America, and she is remembered for her elaborate, crafty cards made with lace and ribbons. Ooh. So what do you think about that? What? I mean, it's kind of cool that, like, we're in mass production now, but what do you think that's... has? Is that something that's good nowadays? Is it... Who cares? Or is it something that's like, oh, this is too commercialized? It's both. Yeah. It's all of that. Do you th- It's too commercialized, don't you think, it's, nowadays? I mean... Yes, but I mean, there's a place for it. Like, I'm watching, like, today, Jake is taking Kate out to eat and to, like, it's a, that's a sweet time to profess. Yeah, it's a good date to night. Reason to go to date night. Maybe yeah. we think it's over-commercialized because we've been doing it for way longer than mm-hmm. these young people have. But don't you think it puts, like, if someone's single, especially if you just had a breakup or something, it, it doesn't that put too much pressure on people and make them... Are you trying to create a space, safe space for everyone? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, have we? does it go a little overboard to make people feel bad that they don't have a mate? I don't know. I, that's a, That sounds like a very modern thing to say. Like, yeah. I just feel like that's just... From our perspective, it's just a good reason to go on a date night. Is yeah, I guess so. If you have someone, it's like, oh, let's go out. Right, but I just don't think you shouldn't celebrate something because it might make someone feel bad for being single. Well, I know, but totally, I, I get, I'm totally on board with that. But I think just the over commercialization and it's like in your face, yeah, maybe a little much. Well, maybe that has to do with social media and. Well, you know, it's like what I've talked about. Like you and I will like, oh, we'll go to dinner, or we maybe even forget about it. <laughs> But I think in some cases it can put pressure on, oh, I've got to get this gift and this and this when you haven't done anything all <laughs> you haven't done anything all year. Now, this yeah. is the day where I'm going to get back right. in good graces. Yeah. So I guess it's an individual thing. It, I, it's yeah. very individual because it might be something special for like if this is a special date for Jake and Kate, then like forever they might remember that, you know, yeah. like. It can be some, it's it's totally individualistic. Yeah. I just okay. think it is. It's just an interesting yeah. thought to ponder. Okay, here's our next fact, Valentine's Day fact. Number seven. Giving flowers started in the 17th century, because that's a big deal now. Like, you, everyone sends flowers. Giving red roses may be an obvi- obvious romantic gesture today, mm. but it wasn't until the late 17th century that giving flowers became a popular custom. The fa- the practice can be traced back to when King Charles II of Sweden learned the language of flowers. What? What? And he learned which pairs which pairs of different flowers had a specific meaning, so you could put them together to have a meaning. What? He they was do? on a yeah. He was on a trip to Persia, and he found all this out about the flowers, so he brought it back to Europe with him. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Maybe I want flowers now. Okay, I've got to pair them up perfectly so it tells you a little message. Also, it's a little late. You won't be able to get any right now. Yeah. Next year. Well, maybe we could do, we could celebrate it on an off day. Yeah, February 22nd. 
when flowers are back in stock. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll give them a minute because supply chain is not great right now. Yeah. So, um, well, obviously, I know. I mean, I guess. Well, that's true because roses in general, like pink roses, typically are friendship. Well, yeah, and well, red roses symbolize deep love. Deep love. And with what the is very white boys? Yeah, like white roses would be. Yeah. Like so, he learned all of this in Persia and brought it back. Yeah. So that's when flowers, huh. giving flowers, became a big deal. Interesting. I want to know what all the flowers mean. I want to make a sentence. <laughs> out of flowers. Out of flowers. <laughs> we got to work on that. That's so fun. Can you take this language? This is like, should be a, it's a, love a second language. language offered in school. No, it's a love language. Okay. Number four. Number eight. <laughs> facts number, of 14 facts. Number eight. The first heart-shaped box of chocolates in 1861. It was created oh, wow. by Richard Cadbury. Uh-huh. Cadbury. Cadbury. Son of Cat. But they're known for their Easter egg things, not? Whoa. They like chocolate in general, I okay. guess. Okay. Son of Cadbury founder John Cadbury, who started packaging chocolates in fancy boxes to increase sales, he introduced the first heart-shaped box of chocolates for V-Day in 1861. Today, there are more than 36 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolates are sold each year. That's 58 million pounds of chocolate. That's a lot. That's a lot. You should not eat all that in one sitting. Chocolate. Mm. Could you eat 58 million pounds no, in one sitting? No, nobody could. That would be totally how much chocolate? How many pounds of chocolate could you eat in one sitting? Two. Two. <laughs> Is this something you've already done, or have you been thinking about this? I was just thinking of <laughs> when we got those cookies in Epcot at Gideon's. Oh, yeah. And those were, you know, measured out. If you got all six of them, that was, what, three pounds of chocolate? Right, yeah. And so I was thinking, I could eat two of those. Yeah. And... I, I would probably wouldn't feel very great afterwards, but one of my thing one of my things I always have loved is Reese's peanut butter cups. You know they're my favorite. Oh yeah, I know but that. They have the heart shaped ones oh. at Valentine's. They have Easter egg shaped ones. They have Christmas tree shaped ones. They have, they have the Christmas tree ones, and they don't look like Christmas trees. I'm sorry. They don't, but yeah. they taste yummy. They taste like Reese's. And yeah. I could eat the heck out of those. Here's the way I feel about chocolate. You bring me chocolate, <laughs> a bag of chocolate. Let's just say you bring me a bag of M&Ms, a big yeah. bag, okay. a shareable bag that I'm not going to share. Yeah. A pound uh, of Yeah. A pound of I look at this bag M&Ms. of chocolate or this box of chocolates and I think some people would think, let's take a bite of one a day and just try them. And then you just have a little bite a day for 14 days yeah. or whatever. No. I look Moderation. I look at that and I think all of this is going to get in my belly. Why not do it all right now? I'm going to get it out of the way. Then I won't be thinking about that one piece of chocolate every day. It's out of my mind. It's out of the way. I'm going to make myself sick eating it. I'm just going to eat it all right now. Just eat it all. Get well, it out of the way. when you're done, you don't have any, though. The next day, you don't have any. That's the point. I don't need to snack on it every day for 14 days. Uh, okay. Just get out of the way I'm right now. I'm going to consume those calories no matter what. Yeah. So I should just do it now. Okay. That's the way I feel about it. That's definitely a viewpoint. <laughs> How many pounds of chocolate could you eat? Um, about 0. 0.5, 0.05. That's not true. You could eat a whole Gideon's cookie. Is and yeah, I guess I could. I don't know. I, when we were eating those, and by the way, we have an episode all about that. Uh, Check out the a, a couple one. a couple weeks ago. When I was I was about halfway through one of those, and I there's not much more I could have done. I don't think I could eat a whole one. Yeah. In one sitting, mm-hmm. so however much that is. Well, so. I could have, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So our next fact. You know the little conversation hearts? Yeah. That mm-hmm. they have? 
Well, those got their start as medical lozenges. What? That's why they taste nasty. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation hearts first began when a Boston pharmacist named Oliver Chase invented a machine that simplified the way medical lozenges were produced, like used for sore throats and all that. Yeah. So the result of that, they started making candy with the same machines. Because he started shifting his focus from making the medical lozenges to candy instead. So did they used to have heart-shaped lozenges? Yes. That's a hard thing to say. Yes. They did? Yeah. So he founded the New England Confectionery Company, and he began making candy lozenges. I want a confectionery company. Well, we got to work on that. We need to get some investors first. <laughs> so that was how that started, kind of accidentally. He was probably thinking, okay, I've made cough drops. Yeah. I, I can make candy. That's so cool. Let's do it. Picture this. Yeah. Hardy party confectionery. Okay, I'm in. That's half the battle. We just got to trademark that, find some investors, figure out how to make candy. I have. Then, I watch a TikTok guy that makes candy. Yeah, it's the easy. candy cane guy? Yeah. It's easy. So easy. <laughs> okay. I find within most things that it's not that the actual doing it is hard. Okay. That my the actual doing it is not as hard. Okay. I'm going to say this. The actual like fixing of maybe a car or something like that. No, what's hard is it's really more expensive is the equipment and the tools you need to do these things. Right. So when you think about like making like he had like some big things to melt and make all this chocolate yeah. and mass production. Those things have got to be pricey. Hence the investors. Yeah, that's where the investors yeah, come in. Yeah, but you know, I feel like once we could do that, I mean, come on. Okay, easy peasy. All right. Maybe we can talk to Derek Kenny about helping mm. us figure out how to use our money. He's always looking for a good investment. And we can do Oh, he could be the investor. Yes. And we can say, "Hey, we're trying to good we're trying to do good things here That's with right. our money." Hey, because he has a new book called The Good Money Framework, and you should yep. definitely order that on Amazon right now. Yep, it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. He knows what he's talking about. I'm listening to the audio right now. Nice. Yeah. All right. Number 10. But it wasn't until 1866 that we first got su sweet printed messages on conversation hearts. The little messages. So they had made the shapes. They weren't ready right. to write on them. Okay. It was Oliver's brother, Daniel Chase, who started printing sentimental messages on the NECO. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's -E their company name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sweethearts. Though these candies were bigger than the, than the versions we have today and featured much longer printed messages and, set and phrases, some of the first messages were, um, Mary in white, and you have chosen right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a subtle message. Yeah. And then, how long shall I have waited? Please be considerate. <laughs> That's very formal. Yes. Yeah. More, uh, more than 8 billion conversation hearts are manufactured each year. That's crazy. And let's be honest, they don't taste good. They taste nasty. It's like the old candy cigarettes. I was going to say the same thing. That I used to, I used, well, I ate them, but I guess I thought I was cool. It was yeah. having a cigarette without having a cigarette. Uh -huh. And we had, I had one not long ago. It was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> you had one not long ago? Yes. When? I don't remember. I was somewhere and someone gave me, it must have been <laughs> around Halloween cigarette. time. And somebody gave me a candy cigarette, and I have such fond memories of it. And then I tried it, and I'm like, this is gross. That is gross. But I do like the fun dip sticks. I think those are good, but they seemed like they would be made of the same stuff. I was talking to someone the other day, and they we, there was some candy out at one of my shows, corporate uh -huh. shows. And the person said, oh, that's going to put sugar sweaters on your teeth. 
So that's my new, when I'm eating sugary stuff, I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting a sugar sweater. Sugar sweater. Because it's that coat of sugar that yeah. just envelops your mouth. That's funny. So Okay. So XOXO, we all think of that as, mm-hmm. you know, means hugs and kisses. Yeah. Well, at the time that it was invented in the Middle Ages, it actually was, the X symbolized the Christian cross. And the O symbol the O symbolized a kiss or an oath. So it was really a way of Christians to convey messages to each other secretly because during the Middle Ages and stuff it was kind of frowned upon in some places. So the O means oath? So the O means oath and the X means It's a turn sideways cross. Yeah, it's a cross. So it was really <gasps> saying fascinating. it was saying you were giving an oath to the cross. Wow. If, if you signed it that way. Um, and now that's kind of turned in for us. We say sealed with a kiss uh-huh. because we've tried it. We've over the years. We've Who says turned, that? Do we say that? I've heard that phrase sealed with I've a kiss. I've heard it too. Yeah. But okay. So really the, the X has become a kiss and the O's become a hug. But originally it was like a Christian message. That's so interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. Okay. Number 12. Kids are the real Valentine's Day winner. This is the truth right here. Valentine's Day has typically been associated with romantic love and partnership. Interestingly enough, according to a Today Show survey, um, they people said they plan on giving their partners gifts that 85% plan to give their children gifts and only 59% to give plan to give their spouses gifts on February 14th. This is true because I know I'll just grab like some cute Valentine's candy because it's everywhere at the checkout counter and whatnot. And I'll just, I literally just put it on the island with their names on it. Most of them kind of know what they're, what they get, but what their names are. Yeah. Well, I don't even put their <laughs> names, but like if it's, you get certain things that you know. If it's sour a patch, kid would like. it's Alex. Yeah, yeah. It's our, yeah. And so yeah, so they kind of know. Cats like, and yeah, they go with that particular kid. But other than that, like yeah, I mean definitely, I would be doing that before I'd be getting you a card. A well, also card. in like elementary school, you have the whole giving cards to the other students and all that. So you're buying all that for your kids to take to school, so you don't look bad. Oh, true. Anything. Oh, I loved doing the Valentines when I was a kid. When you had to like make your own little Valentine's bag or box, we made boxes. Yeah, but then you worry about how many did I get? Because you're kind of going, "Hey, did I get? A, is this is this young lady interested in me or not?" I did you know not worry about that at all. <laughs> I did, however. Probably only was concerned about the ones that had candy actually attached right, yeah. to them, not just like open. You're it very up. practical. Yeah, for sure. I just didn't probably open up all the ones that were just like the basic signed ones. I remember loving and going and picking out those cute things, and you get to go down the row and drop them in all your friends' bags. That was kind of fun. It was so fun. Yeah. I forgot about that. And then when you get to high school, you know, you can actually, like, some one club or two will come forward and be like, we're handing oh, out yeah, carnations for a dollar, and it's all money to raise for prom or something like that. Yeah. I always thought that was fun, too, because <laughs> I would do that for my friends and whoever. Yeah, fun times. Okay, so what do you think our next fact has to do with spending money? What do you think is the most that we spend money on for Valentine's these days what's the category jewelry you think it's jewelry well rebecca you're right yeah yeah by the way check out this new wedding ring i just got oh uh, yeah you read speaking we, of jewelry happy valentine's day to me <laughs> <laughs> and what was they also fixed mine which was cracked and mm-hmm. what's the name of the company southern Burleson? southern gym southern gym mm-hmm, another yeah. little shout out there <laughs> 
Though they did great. They mine did looks great job. mine looks totally new. Right. And they kinda repurposed all yours into Yes. You needed something that was flatter that you could work with and wouldn't Mine had like a raised stone on it. Yeah. Which, and it would get I mean it's been getting beat up on a shampoo bowl for thirty two years. So, yeah. Yeah. Thirty two years? Of hair. Oh, uh, okay. Well, we haven't been married that long. Oh well true. <laughs> It'll be thirty this year. So you probably it's been getting beat up for thirty years. Yes. Well I probably gave it to you December of ninety one. Not that ring. Huh? You, you originally pro you proposed, I proposed with, another, with a different one. Yeah, that's right. Ring. And then we went. <laughs> that's right. And we went and customized it. We, okay, let's just say twenty five years. It's been getting beat up. Well, no, it's been thirty because I remember know. we went to that place and yeah. we kind of drew up our own. Yeah, I remember. Which was cool. Yeah. So it's been about thirty years. Thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like thirty two that you've been. I've been doing hair for thirty two, yeah. so that's why I said that. Okay. Okay. So yes, it is jewelry's. Okay. Yeah. And do you want to know how much we spend on that? In 2020, how much do you think we spent on jewelry? What do you mean we? The whole entire United States? The world? The what? I can't. I, there's just, there's no way. It is $5.8 billion was spent on jewelry for Valentine's Day. Wow. The second most paid for gift was an evening out. And we spent $4.3 million to go get food, <laughs> as Elf would say. And then third in line is clothing, candy, and then flowers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That is... $11 billion a year in jewelry and eating out. That's nuts. For that, well, nuts for is lower day. down on the... Nuts is lower down. Okay. All right, number 11. Then we'll get to the I think it's number 14. I... I'm sorry, 14. Why did I say 11? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so glad you can count higher than me. <laughs> this is why we, we complete each, each other. other. We complete each other <laughs> on our Valentine's yes. episode. Okay, William Shakespeare inspired a tradition. Writing letters to Juliet has become a Valentine's Day tradition for many and even inspired the 2010 film Letters to Juliet. Around Valentine's Day, thousands of letters are sent to Verona, Italy, addressed to the Romeo and Juliet character, Juliet Capulet. These love letters to Juliet are filled with emotion and passion, and in many cases, heartbreak. Mm. Volunteers called Juliet's secretary, volunteers called Juliet's secretaries, read through the letters, write spot responses, and pick a winner of the Cara Julieta, well, that was, uh, yeah, which translates into Dear Juliet in English. It's a prize. You win. So they read all the letters, and then they, like, pick one and give Which a prize. Which one? The one they think is the best for the year. The winner gets to visit Juliet's home in Verona and attend a special ceremony. So there really is a Juliet person, like, that they write to. That's cool. Huh. I wonder if there's just a continuing, ongoing one. Like, what if she's... How long has that been happening? Well, I mean, it's just like a tradition. There, it's. I think it's, it's a like, bunch of people. Well, care. I think you're just writing... It's kind of an idea of write to a Juliet. Oh, okay. Like if you don't have one or if you've had a heartbreak, you can write and just pour out your emotions. We should write one. Okay, let's just do for it. Fun, just to see what happens. Yeah. I'm going to make mine really silly to see. <laughs> I just want the person, the second, what are they called? Juliet's? Juliet's. I want them to just crack up when they read mine. <laughs> I don't want them to cry or be sad. I want them to go, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, let's write them so. a letter and make them crack up and then ask them to be on the podcast. So you are a... It's going to be hard to find out who these people are, yeah. but we're going to... It sounds like Hardy Party of Five and a Half needs to go to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. This All can we write this off? This is another big. Where are we at? <laughs> we'll write this off. Uh, we need That'll a be next year. Magnifying glass on the road, doing research. 
There you go. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to transition to our rom-com trivia. All right. I'm Rebecca, are you best. ready for I, this? Kind of. Okay. You're always more prepared than you think. Okay, you're going to hear this voice. Ma chère mademoiselle, it is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you tonight. And now, we invite you to relax, let's pull up a chair, as the dining room proudly presents your dinner. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, sherry, and we provide the rest. Soup du jour, hot hors d'oeuvre. Why, we only live to serve. Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. So this character was voiced by Jerry Orbach, which is interesting because he is known for what's the show called? The detective show? Uh, Law and Order. Oh, okay. So it's interesting that he did this voice. So, Rebecca, you're nervous right now, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you know this character. You just heard the character. What is the name of the candlestick in the 1991 film Beauty and the Beast? Oh, let me Is hear. it? Okay, hold on. I have choices for you. We have to make this official. Okay. So the judges don't say you didn't get it right. Is it A, Lemure, B, LeFou, C, Mr. Chips, D. Cogsworth. Totally Cogsworth. What? I'm kidding. Um, Lemure. There you go. Good job, Rebecca. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our magic to, to the, the test. test. <laughs> okay. So you got the first one right. Here's another rom-com question. Released in 1990, what is the name of Julia Roberts' character in Pretty Woman? Do you need do you need choices on this one? Yes. Is it Mary? A is it Mary? B Vivian? C Leanne? Or D Lulu? Vivian. Is that your final answer? Yes. Rebecca, you are correct again. Yes, I am. And by the way, Julia Roberts got her first Best Actress nomination oh, really? for that nomination. She did oh. not win. Okay. She ended up winning for Aaron Brockovich, I believe, oh, later okay, on. Yeah. So. Pretty woman. Trying to think of a song for every question. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, let's listen to Pretty Woman just for a second now that you've said it. This is like your favorite song, isn't it? I hate Roy. You do. Why do you not like Roy Orbison? I cannot stand his voice. Stop. Is it too tiny, Tim, for it's you? It's not his voice. I don't know what you just did. It's not his, either. It was actually way less annoying than what he does. I don't oh, know. What is it? Is it there's the vibrato in there, too, bothering you? I don't know. I I'm don't making up these words. You don't, yes, because I don't know that he has vibrato. <laughs> you should There's stop now. Okay. But I don't know why. I just don't. You have I don't never like liked his him. songs. I think yeah. they're just oddly predictable and boring. Okay. <sighs> okay. So you're not in the Roy Orbison fan club? No. Okay. <laughs> next. Here's your next question, Rebecca. Okay. Which singer stars in the 1992 romantic thriller The Bodyguard? Is it A, Tina Turner, B, Mariah Carey, C, Whitney Houston, or D, Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo? C, Whitney Houston, and I. I'm not even going to try to sing that one. And the side note here is that was Whitney Houston's acting debut. Really? 
She did pretty oh, good. Yeah, she did. Yeah. I really like that movie. I remember really liking it. Is it rated R? I don't really remember. Hmm. Okay. I think there was less rated R movies back then than there are now. I think a lot of rated R movies come out now. Yeah, they do. So okay. I think in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't so as much. Okay. Okay, so your next question. This is probably a movie you haven't seen, <sighs> so I just want to put that up front. All right. Okay. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, they're like known for their r- romance comedies, right? Mm-hmm. They've been in classic movies like Sleepless in Seattle mm-hmm. and You've Got Mail, mm-hmm. which is pretty dated now if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a TikTok. Um <laughs> You have a Snapchat. Okay, can you name the third film they starred in together? Oh, what? So you have those two famous ones. This one's lesser known, and it was kind of a flop at the box office because it was kind of a quirky, weird movie. Was it A, Splash, B, Kate and Leopold, C, Joe versus the Volcano, or D, The Notebook? It was Joe versus the Volcano. So is that your final answer? I think so. You're right again, Rebecca. Because yeah. who was in Kate and Leopold? That was Hugh Jackman, Hugh and Jackman. I can't remember the woman. Yeah, that's I don't what I remember the woman. That's Hugh Jackman. Um, and the Notebook is obviously what's your face, Rachel McAdams, yeah. and uh, Ryan Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a song for this Joe and the Volcano. No, this this one. The, okay, Hanks played a man who finds out he has a rare disease and he's about to die. Uh-huh. So he accepts a financial offer to travel to the South Pacific and throw himself into a volcano on behalf of the superstitious natives. So along the way, he meets Meg Ryan, and they fall in love. So I guess the conflict there is he going to throw himself into the volcano? Is he going to stay the rest of his time living on Meg Ryan? Okay. So Very odd movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know that I've seen that. That was that was a weird choice for both of those anchors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you think is the highest grossing rom com of all time? Like the one that's made the most. Is this money? question number six? This is question number five. Oh, number five. Okay. Um, okay. Is it A. Pretty Woman? B. Sleepless in Seattle? C. My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Or D. Hitch? Oh gosh. This is a pretty hard one. Because I really thought it was going to be The Notebook. Notebook wasn't in the top five. What? Can you read these again? You've got A, Pretty Woman, B, Sleepless in Seattle, C, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and D, Hitch. I'm going to go with B. You're going with B, Sleepless in Seattle? Yes. Well, Rebecca, you did not get this one correct. <gasps> is it Pretty Woman? No, it's not even Pretty Woman. What? It is C, My Big Fat Greek what? Wedding. What? Yes. And oh that's gosh. totally why that movie got a sequel. That's so crazy. Okay, here's the top five and how much they made. Greek Wedding made $241 million. So pretty good haul. Here's why. The later these get, the more you charge for movies. Doesn't that make sense? Well, that's difference? part of That may be part did of it. Did they allow yeah. for inflation? I'm assuming they did, but I don't know. Okay. This might just be the total they got. Because that crossed my mind. I was like, movies were probably $5 when Sleepless in Seattle was made. Well, yeah. And now they're 10 and then the second one's surprising, What Women Want. And that was the one where Mel Gibson suddenly knows what all women are thinking. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah, and that made $182 million. I didn't even picture that one being on the no. list at all. No. Number three is Hitch, which is a pretty funny movie. Gosh, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. We have just watched it with the kids not long ago. Love that movie. Yeah. And that made $179 million. 
when his face is all swollen. Yeah. Never do that. Don't ever do that again. Never do that again. Number four is Pretty Woman, which made $178 million. Okay. And then number five is one I don't think I've ever seen, and that's There's Something About Mary. Oh, made $176 million. That's with, uh, what's your face? Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, yes. And people reference that movie to me a lot because of the bang thing. Oh yeah, I and don't I don't even know about it. I don't even know about it, but her hair was standing straight up, and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Okay, <laughs> so now we're to number six, Rebecca. Okay, which real life rom com couple has been together since 1983? Oh, is it A. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, B. Golding Hawn and Kurt Russell, C. Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, or D. Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling? They weren't even alive, were they? <laughs> no. Totally has to be um, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. <laughs> Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Rebecca, you are correct. Of course, of course, yes. They actually met on set. Uh, Overboard. No, they met on set when they were younger. They met oh. on set in 1968. Wow. But she was 21 and he was 16. Hmm. So she said, I thought he was really cute, but he's a little young for me. Oh, how funny. So then they met again in 83, and that's when they started their oh, romance. Oh, they're adorable. They're adorable. I listened to a podcast late, um, a little while back with her in it. She's she's older and just as quirky as you might think she would be now, but she said a lot of cool things. Like, I don't know. I really like her. Well, what's funny is they said they would, they both individually said they would never marry an actor, and they... They haven't really married. They're not married, right? Yeah. Well, they would never be together with an actor. <laughs> okay. So now they've been together since eighty three. Is Kate Hudson theirs? Kate Hudson is her kid with another guy. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty sure Kurt adopted her or something, oh, however okay. that works. So Yeah, that's so cool. There you go. All right. And Kurt Russell's son, this is another side note, he is in the new Disney Plus series, The Falcon and Winter Soldier. He plays the new Captain America that comes. Oh, that! Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. And if you look, if you know that and look at him now, you can, go, "Oh, that's yeah, totally Kurt totally Russell's Kurt son. son." Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, no, I thought that was. <laughs> it's amazing they've been together almost forty years now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, number seven. Which TV rom com coined the pickup line, "How you doing?" And we've got a little. For the audience, we've got a little compilation here for a second. Okay. I don't even know how I would go about it. Oh, well, well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down and I say, Hey, 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 hey. How you doing? 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 So, Rebecca, was that Friends, A, Friends, B, King of Queens, C, How I Met Your Mother, or D, Married with Children? Honey, I haven't seen any of these shows except for King of Queens a couple of episodes. Yeah? I don't know. How you doing? I mean, is it Friends? Everybody loves Friends. I'm going to go with Friends. And the answer is Friends. Oh, yes. I've never seen an episode of Friends. We just never got into that show. It was on from 94 to 2004. I can't believe that. And we totally missed all of them. Sorry, Every guys. Every single one of them. Yep. The show ranks number 21 on TV Guide's 50 Greatest Shows of All Time. Wow. And I'm still not going to watch it. Nope. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. Okay. But I do, I use that phrase a lot, how you do it. Mm-hmm. So, 
It has, that brain sludge has gotten into my brain somehow. <laughs> okay, which rom-com, we're doing another famous phrase. Okay. Which rom-com featured the now famous phrase, as you wish? Was it sleep, A, Sleepless in Seattle, B, Princess Bride, C, Hitch, or D, Sabrina? As you wish. Princess Bride. Princess Bride? Mm-hmm. Rebecca, you are correct again. I also don't think I've seen that entire movie. I've seen that one. Okay. I'm going to get in trouble with some people. I've seen it. I don't really get it. I think there's some funny moments, like some fo- funny moments and quotes in it. But overall, kind of overrated, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, th- I tend to think guys well, like it a lot. I think that it's a certain type of person. It's like yeah. the Monty Python person. Which it's I like, like Monty this... Python, but you I do? maybe. I to me Princess Bride isn't silly enough. Like oh, it's okay. silly but not silly enough. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is rated it has one of the highest certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes scores at 97%. Wow. Wait, is Rotten Tomatoes good? Rotten Tomatoes is the site where people go and rate their so movies. So they're saying it's really good. Yeah, 97% is like high. You get a tomato which fresh. means good. Okay. Yes, a fresh not tomato. Rotten. Not rotten. No, rotten is a big Okay. It's a green, like you've crushed a grape or something. I've never looked at this website. Yep. It's popular <sighs> for movie nerds. Yeah. That's why you spend a lot of time there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I check it out. I'm like, what is the rotten tomato for this one? Yeah. Okay. So our next question, next to last. You've done really good, Rebecca. Thank you. The 1992, 1992, 1942 classic, which you've probably not seen this one. Mm-hmm. Casablanca <sighs> takes place in which country? Where is it set? Is it set in A, Morocco, B, Syria, C, Iran, or D, South Africa? A, Morocco, B, Syria, C, Iran, D, South Africa. South Africa. Is that your final answer? Sure. The answer is Morocco. second answer. It seemed too obvious. So it starred Ingrid Bergman... Humphrey Bogart and Claude Rains. And it's basically a story of Rick, this guy that I watched. For some reason, I watched this not long ago. I guess I was on a trip somewhere. And it's much deeper. There's a lot more going on in this movie than I realized because it's a very diverse cast. Like, what? I should have remembered this because we talked about this movie when we were having breakfast in Morocco at Epcot. Right, we did. Oh, was, I'm a fool. I was hoping you might remember that at the time. Shoot. Can we, can I'll we, give you half can credit. Can we edit? I'll give you half credit. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so it's this American that goes to Morocco. He's trying to get away from the war. It's like the early years of the war, and he's trying to get away from it. Because at one point, he was a freedom fighter in France, and like he believed all this. But the woman he loved left him, so he goes to Morocco trying to heal and doesn't care about anybody. Well, of course, what happens in Morocco, in his casino, the woman he loves comes walking in. Wow. So it brings it all back. So She's... But, Rude. but this movie has a lot more going on it than just the romance. It's There's a lot of political things going on. I didn't realize we're going on. When I watched this movie when I was 12, I didn't catch all that. Okay. So I would recommend, even if you're not a romance person, it's quite an interesting movie as hmm. far as political diversity and you know fascism and all that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's got a lot going on. Okay. Okay. So, Rebecca, you've made it to our final question. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. This movie starring Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah involves a four-inch nose. Is it A, Splash, B, Roxanne, or C, There's Something About Mary, 
Or D, Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> Roxanne. Is that what you're going with? Yes. Rebecca, the answer is Roxanne. Good job. <laughs> this was a 19, I think this movie was in 1987. It doesn't seem that long ago. But it was based on the Ciro, the play Ciro Nebergiak. Yeah. Which was made in 1897. And I think the little guy, the angry elf, what's his name? I can't remember his name right now. The angry elf from yeah. Elf yes. is starring in a new version of that right now. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I've seen the commercials for that. haven't hmm. seen it actually, but... That's cool. Okay. Well, there's some rom-com trivia for you. That was fun. Rebecca, you did an excellent job as always. Nine out of ten. That's 90%. Did you give me that half? That's nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> Get the half, boy. <laughs> so you're about at 91%. All right. That's a good free, free throw percentage. That's like a top free throw percentage in the NBA. Good. That's where I want to be. I mean, I want to be right up there. That's right. <laughs> well, this was very enlightening. I learned a lot about the seriously kind of tragic part of the original. The, the morbid reasons for yeah. St. Valentine's Day. I'm glad it's morphed into what it is, even yeah. if it is overdone. At least we're not whacking people with dead <laughs> animals. Or beheading people for doing or the wrong thing. Or beheading people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, come on. Now it's just chocolate. And There's a lot of positives. There is a lot of positives. No. We've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> but you will forever be my favorite Valentine. Oh. Aww. And you're always my Valentine. <laughs> so we hope you have enjoyed this edition of Hardy Party of Five and a Half. This month in history, Valentine's edition. Hardy Party Five and a Half, over and out. We'll see you next time.